What is up, good people? Welcome back to Flourishing with PTSD. Man, my life has been crazy these past few weeks. Have you ever had one of those phases in your life where you just, you make these plans for things and you feel really good about the fact that you've made these things because they're planned, um, but then all of a sudden you have like a million and five things that find a way to jam-pack themselves into your life and then you stress and then your stress in your brain is like, hey, I want a piece of this action and then you get stressed out more and it ultimately makes you like totally unable to do any of those things you felt so good about having planned. Well, that's what happened to me over these past few weeks and I'm convinced I need to go into hibernation for like 11 years just to bounce back from my complete burnout. (laughs) Anyways, so that's a quick little recap on my life and I hope that yours is going much smoother than that. So welcome back. It has been a little bit. Uh, I was been yeah it's just it's been a little bit um I was just really struggling and I just needed some more time um last time we talked about dissociation and the kinds of things that can happen during um a trauma specifically sexual assault but this can happen in other traumas so if you haven't listened to that episode go check it out and if this is your first time joining us for a flourishing with ptsd episode welcome i'm so excited to have you here and the point of this podcast series is just to really shine a light on um what it's like to live life with ptsd after a sexual assault um there are some similarities and comparisons to other traumas as well so um hopefully that can help you out and it's also just to kind of help people who are supporting people with ptsd um and letting them know what they can do to help what they should not do uh and just some things like that so and before we get started remember i am not a medical professional so i the only advice i'm giving you is coming from a friend so let's just keep that in mind um and hopefully that will you know, be beneficial advice anyway, even if I'm not a professional. (laughs) So, all right, let's jump right into it today. So this week, I want to talk about sleep. I've gotten some messages from you guys over, you know, the last week and a half, two weeks or so about um, about sleep. And so I figured I would touch on that because again, I'm here for you and I'm going to do my best to, you know, research and look at other people's research. Um, and bring to you guys what I thought was helpful or what my experience has been or what I've heard from other people's experiences. So um, personally, I've had some issues with sleep. Um, nothing that's ever been diagnosed besides, you know, PTSD. Um, but I've had really horrible nightmares, um, you know, of the experience and also just other nightmares that are almost more terrifying than my experience. Um, I've been really restless. I've actually had really shaky limbs that I've kind of chalked up to be like panic attacks or anxiety attacks while I'm in bed. Um, And basically my whole body just starts to shake and I start to sweat and I just start to kind of freak out, but I can't really move because I'm shaking so bad. Um, It's actually really scary. It's only happened to me, I think, four times that I can recall off the top of my head um and it's usually been after some kind of traumatic event um and so yeah that's really stressful and really scary um I've also been afraid to go to sleep uh I have that problem a lot because of how much stress I actually experience while I'm asleep because I feel like part of me is conscious for most if not all of the night um which is just kind of crazy to think about and you know for those of you guys who are psychology geeks out there, I'm pretty sure that I'm totally unconscious during REM sleep, but you never know. Science, brain, all weird, all crazy. So many 
lack of limitations. I don't know. <laughs> um, and also, um, in order to go to sleep, I feel like I have to fall asleep to Netflix because falling asleep to music doesn't work. It just kind of gets, it stimulates my brain. Music does. It just stimulates my brain and it makes me think. And then the voices in my head are way too loud and I just can't. I can't sleep. So Netflix and like listening to Netflix while I fall asleep just kind of cancels out the voices in my head, if you know what I'm saying. And it just makes it a lot easier. And that's just how I've been able to go to sleep. I've tried to wean myself off of it a couple times and it just has not worked. My nightmares actually increase on the nights, on the specific nights that I do not um, listen to Netflix when I fall asleep, which is really interesting. And I've talked about that with my counselor and she says, you know what, if falling asleep to Netflix brings you more sound full sleep then please do that so I said okay that's what I'll do so that's what I do and it is working pretty well um so I'm gonna be bringing you guys some information from sleepfoundation.org and I thought it was really interesting it's the National Sleep Foundation um and I was looking I just kind of googled trauma and sleep And this is one of the links that came up and I started reading through and I really liked what I saw on here. Um, And so I'm going to go ahead and read right from their website some things and hopefully you agree with it and hopefully it brings you some insight. So let's see here. So stress from a traumatic event can often lead to a variety of problems. When the body is overstimulated, the brain is flooded with neurochemicals that keep us awake, such as epinephrine, which Side note, epinephrine is the chemical that narrows the blood vessels and opens up airways in the lungs. So that's might be why we kind of are just like, you know, and just, you know. So epinephrine and adrenaline um, that keep us awake, uh, making it difficult to wind down at the end of the day. Uh, the neurochemicals remain present in the brain and can interrupt your normal sleep cycle. Um, and the result can be insomnia, bad dreams, and daytime fatigue caused by sleep disturbance. So... Um, I'm sure we've all had those nights where we've been up super late or maybe we had a really restless night. Maybe we were were struggling with some anxiety um, about things coming up or just in general. um, And then you're just so tired the next day. Um, That's kind of what daytime fatigue is talking about, if I understand it correctly. And hopefully I do. Um, So it says here that the following are common sleep problems following a trauma. Uh, Flashbacks and and troubling thoughts can make falling asleep difficult. The victim might feel the need to maintain a high level of vigilance, which can make sleep really difficult. For those who experience violent situations, nighttime and darkness can, in and of themselves, uh, bring out added anxiety and restlessness. Taking naps during the day might be helpful, but if overdone, it can also interfere with your efforts to sleep through the night. Uh, Once asleep, nightmares can frighten a survivor back into consciousness, and getting back to sleep can be very difficult. I can personally attest to that. Um, And then the last bullet point they have here is that many survivors use alcohol or other drugs to numb the emotional and physical pain following trauma. These substances can not only impact the healing process, they can also exacerbate sleep problems. So that one actually kind of, I don't know if any of you guys have read The Hunger Games, but if I remember correctly, you guys remember the character Haymitch? I believe he had something kind of like this. He survived The Hunger Games and he would drink to stay awake or he would drink all night and that's why he became kind of an alcoholic. Um, So that's kind of what this is alluding to and hopefully that kind of puts some puzzle pieces together for you. Um, And it says that 
some people with sleep problems and anxiety have post-traumatic stress disorder, also known as PTSD. And PTSD is a reaction to a traumatic stressful event resulting in a feeling of a loss of control and an inability to... Oh gosh, sorry. My dogs are like outside the studio and they just totally made me jump. Whew. Talk about being hyper alert. Um, let's see. PTSD is a reaction to a traumatic stressful event resulting in a feeling of loss of control and an inability to help yourself in a bad situation. It's often experienced by people who are in situations that range from combat to rape, but it can be caused by a variety of events. So what this is saying is that PTSD can be caused by a lot of different things and it's very, very common to have sleep disturbances, okay? Um, so it has a little bit of a coping section here. Um, basically, it's just saying try to reduce your stress. Try to do things um, preventatively to um, that leading into your bedtime routine just to help calm your body. Um, and your brain will kind of read those signals in your body and be like, okay, the body's calm and your nervous system will kind of start to hopefully, you know, chill out a little bit. And then your, as your brain reads that, it says, okay, it's time to relax. It's time to start going to bed. It's time to just relax. Just be, it's okay. Um, and some tips that they go, that they list here. Um, it says sleep in a location where you feel most rested and safe so yeah like sleeping in your bedroom is cool um and it says here that it may not be possible to rest there soon after the trauma if especially if your trauma happened in your bedroom um which for a lot of sexual assault survivors is actually the case um and so do what feels right for you if sleeping in another location is right for you do that. You know, you gotta, you gotta give your body and your brain what it needs. If you have the gut instinct to not be in your room after you experienced a trauma there, that's probably a smart thing to do, right? Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and then it says, create an environment in which you can sleep well. So, you know, I'll go over some things in a minute that kind of are specific to that. So I'm just going to keep going, going for now. Um, engage in a relaxing, non-alerting activity before bed. So this could be listening to music or um, reading a book. Um, hopefully the book isn't like, you know, a murder mystery or something. I personally love murder mysteries, but before bed, not such a good idea. Just got to say that right now. No, 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 no. So avoid things like don't watch Criminal Minds before bed. Again, I used to do that for like a week and then I was like, okay, not doing that anymore. No, no, because it just I didn't have nightmares from it, but it definitely increased my level of anxiety. So just, again, do things that would logically calm you down before bed. Um, so go to bed when you feel ready for sleep. Don't force sleep. The more you try and force sleep, like, you know, when you're watching the clock, and you say, oh, man, it's already 1030 and I got to be asleep you know, or I got to wake up at, you know, 5 a.m. And then you roll over and you see the clock again and it's 1130. And you're like, oh, man, I only have this many hours left. Yeah. Forcing sleep never works. It just doesn't. So <clears throat> just do what's going to work best for you. OK, so now I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Um, I found these on healthline.com. And it said the 17 proven tips to sleep. Wow, my words. I cannot word tonight. Oh my goodness. 17 proven tips to sleep better at night. So basically, I just wanted to Google like suggestions for sleeping better. And this could also apply to people who have not experienced a trauma. But I think that it really works in both spheres. Um, and, you know... 
I think that hopefully if you know somebody who has a sleep problem that maybe doesn't have PTSD, you can, you know, pass this information along or send them to healthline.com. Um, and you would just add in trauma and sleep. Um, so it says, um, Incre- the first the first tip is increase bright light exposure during the day. So we have these things, and forgive me if I pronounce this wrong. I've heard it both ways, so I will say it both ways. Um, we have these circadian rhythms or circadian rhythms. I'm not sure which pronunciation is right, so please forgive me. But basically, what those are are um, like you know when it's light outside, you're you want to be awake. When the sun's out, you know you want to be awake. It's your body's natural response. And when it's dark you're supposed to feel drowsy and you're supposed to feel sleepy. Um, so that's what those rhythms are. Um, so if you increase your exposure to brighter light during the day and the darkness might seem a little bit more soothing to your circadian or circadian rhythms and will therefore help you sleep. The second tip is reduce blue light exposure in the evening. So blue light comes from smartphones and computers and iPads and a lot of electronics these days with screens. Basically what this is saying is, you know, this is why, this is why people don't like, like it when I say I fall asleep to Netflix because they're like, oh, the light, it's gonna, you know, and I'm like, I know, but what I do is I, you know, I think if you have like, like two feet between you, (laughs) here I am being, you know, the rebel, Um, but if you have it like a couple feet away from you, I've heard it's not bad, but you know, reducing cell phone time before bed, not being on social media before bed, that's, those are probably really good habits, and I need to be better about that, I'm so bad about that, Um, and I need to, yeah, I just, I need to do better, but yeah, so reducing time on electronics before bed really will help you, I promise, I've done it, and it's worked, and I need to get back into that, and yeah just going to stop there because I could go on forever about that. Um, the third one, don't consume caffeine late in the day. That should be a no brainer, but I know that we have a lot of coffee lovers out there and a lot of caffeine lovers out there. Um, so it suggests not to consume caffeine after three or 4 PM. Um, you gotta let it wear out. You gotta let it get through your system so that you can actually be tired before bed. Um, just do yourself a favor. Um, The fourth tip is reduce irregular or long daytime naps. I've heard on multiple occasions that between 10 and 20 minutes for a nap during the day is good. It gives you, it gives your body a chance to reset, recharge a little bit without totally jeopardizing your nighttime routine. So yeah, 10 to 20 minutes is good. Set an alarm. I've done it. I've fallen asleep on textbooks and I've set an alarm ahead of time just knowing that I'm going to just take a nap because I can't make it. So the fifth tip is to try to sleep and wake up consistently, like at consistent times. So try to train your body um, to start feeling, you know, slightly sleepy around nine or 10 or whatever works for you. Um, And at a time that makes you feel like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get enough hours of sleep and wake up at you know, similar times. Like if you have to, during the week, get up around 6.30, you know, it's probably okay on the weekends to wake up at 7.30 or 8. Obviously, let yourself sleep in, you know, do your body that favor as well. Sleep is very crucial. It's very important. It's very good. So 10 out of 10 recommend. (laughs) Um, The sixth tip is take melatonin supplements. So melatonin, if you don't know what it is, it's basically a sleep hormone. It's natural, so it shouldn't be addictive. Again, I'm not a medical professional, but that is what I that is what I have been told. Um, and basically it just helps to like relax your body, like 
but it's not gonna, if you're out running a marathon and you take some melatonin, I don't think it's gonna, you know, make you feel sleepy. It's like, okay, you take the melatonin and then when you start to like settle in for the night, it kind of helps regulate that calming, sleepy feeling, but it's not gonna like knock you out like it's some kind of powerful drug, okay? Um, the seventh tip, consider other supplements. So um, there's lavender, magnesium, I don't know how to say this, uh, glycine. Um, consult a professional about that or just someone other than me. Uh, please don't get me in trouble. Um, <laughs> eight, don't drink alcohol. So obviously, like no one can really tell you what to do, you know, unless you're a minor, but alcohol is actually known to cause or increase symptoms of sleep apnea, snoring, disrupted sleep patterns, and it alters nighttime melatonin production because our bodies naturally produce melatonin. And so you're jeopardizing that when you drink alcohol, you know, before bed and it's a depressant, but it can really have negative effects on people. So just take that into consideration, maybe find another substance. Um, but, and when I say substance, I don't mean like drugs. I just mean like maybe drink warm decaffeinated tea or something that's going to actually calm your body and still keep your mind clear and your sleeping patterns, you know, not jeopardized. Um, the ninth tip is to optimize your bedroom environment. So this means eliminating external light. I know that black blackout curtains do wonders, um, especially in the summertime when, you know, it's lighter longer and it gets light early. Blackout curtains do amazing work. Um, and again, just like, uh, eliminating noise if you can, um, and just make it a space that you're comfortable in, right? You know, make your bedroom a place that you want to be in, redecorate it or get rid of things and declutter, uh, hang up pictures. I hung a photo collage a few months ago of just a lot of my happiest moments and memories. And I love looking at it because I'm like, oh, I remember doing that. Or yeah, I want to do that again. And it just makes it a place that I want to be and just keeping it clean. Granted, I am not the best at keeping my room clean, but I'm usually motivated to get it clean because it helps me feel better. Um, don't tell my parents that. (laughs) Um, So 10 is to set your bedroom temperature. So they recommend around 70 degrees Fahrenheit or 20 degrees Celsius. Um, And I personally sleep better when it's colder in my room. And then I have a lot of blankets on top of me. It's just a comfort thing. It's totally up to you. But yeah, it's just personal preference, really. Um, 11, don't eat late in the evening. So they suggest that you eat a few hours before you're going to go to bed. This gives your body a time to digest and, you know, fully do its thing. And then, you know, and then you'll be tired and go into hopefully your mini food coma. Um, Speaking of food comas, Thanksgiving is coming up. So, you know, do what you got to do to prepare for that. Um, Twelve, relax and clear your mind in the evening. So I actually, my great uncle keeps a notepad by his bed Actually, he keeps it on his nightstand, and every night he tells me that he writes down what he's afraid he'll forget because, you know, when you lay down and you go to sleep and everything comes to your mind of, oh, I can't forget to do this, oh, this, 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 and so he says that writing things down on this notepad and leaving it on his nightstand so that he can see it right when he wakes up soothes his mind and it just puts him at ease and then it just allows him to sleep more soundly because he doesn't have to worry about remembering it. I can't tell you how many times I have been woken up by my stress of forgetting something. It's crazy. Um, 13, taking a relaxing bath or shower. 
then yeah. Um, I've tried that. It hasn't worked well for me always, but it has, it has done the trick a couple times. Um, 14, rule out a sleep disorder. Yeah. Go see a doctor, get tested for sleep apnea. Um, talk to a doctor about your sleeping patterns and see if they can help you out because, you know, you don't want to try all this stuff and say, man, I must just, I must just be different or I must not be working. You could have a sleeping disorder, which is not a bad thing, but you want to, feel better you want to actually get good sleep and things like that so please start the conversation consult somebody rule it out um 15 get a comfortable bed mattress and pillow so the thing i have to say about this is like first of all obviously check 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 yes definitely do that but also find a laundry detergent that you like the smell of or that has no smell because i have had laundry detergents in the past where i'm like oh what is that and then it actually keeps me awake because i'm legitimately grossed out by the smell and i have to go and buy new detergent and then i have to rewash my bedding a couple of times to actually get the smell out and it it was horrible and i actually slept in a sleeping bag for Uh, about a week and a half one time just because I could not stand the smell of the detergent um so that's also a real thing um 16 exercise regularly but not before bed I have made this mistake once one time my roommate and I went out to the gym you know like an hour literally an hour before we went to bed and yeah, that was not a good call I just you know I took a shower and got into bed and I was so awake and ready to go that you know, my test the next day did not go well. <laughs> um, talk about daytime fatigue. That's That was a thing. Um, and then 17, don't drink any liquids before bed. All I will say about that, because I am guilty of many glasses of water, like while I'm actually in bed, just go to the bathroom before bed and hopefully you'll be okay. But the experts say don't drink any liquids before bed. So I don't know. Listen to them. I'm probably not the wisest one. Um, so those are the 17 tips to increase your sleep at night. Um, and so basically, to sum it up, sleep can make or break a person. Uh, my senior year of high school, I slept on our couch uh, from around Christmas time until I left for college in September. Um, that you know that same following year, um, because I had horrible nightmares and the stress that came from being in my room was horrible and my mom sometimes I'll sleep on the couch if I'm just nowadays if I'm like just tired and I just am comfortable on the couch I'm like I'm comfortable I'm at a good temperature right now I just don't want to move so I just sleep on the couch or I'll sleep in a different room sometimes and she'll say are you okay and I'll say yeah I'm, I'm good why and she'll be like well I just you know I think back to your senior year and I think that was really hard on my parents you know, obviously for the reason of, hey, my kid is sleeping on the couch. That's not cool. You know, she has her own room. But they, I think that's when they really saw the toll that PTSD was taking on me. Um, I was too scared to go into my own bedroom and I was not attacked in my bedroom. Um, your bedroom is supposed to be your safe place. Your bed is supposed to be one of the most comfortable places that you can retreat to. And I didn't, I didn't have that. Our couch was not comfortable at all. Um, and I would have, I chose to sleep on that for what, a little, like a little over nine months because I couldn't stand being in my room. And, um, it's just amazing how deep PTSD goes and how 
even a survivor can be reminded of just like the depths that it reaches when something like that happens. So the best thing you could do for yourself is to get some sleep, some real sleep. Um, I took a whole week off of work last week because I was so stressed out. I was not sleeping well because I had tests and I had deadlines at work that I just wasn't able to keep up with. And I had some other obligations and things going on that I just, I had to take a break. I could not keep doing it. And so this week I went back to my normal schedule and oh my goodness, I was like, how was I doing this for so many weeks? I just can't do it between having, you know, three jobs, basically. Yeah. Three jobs and school and trying to keep up with the podcast stuff, which guys, I would give up my jobs and just do the podcast if I could believe me. I, I absolutely love it. And I hope that you love it. Um, but yeah, I was getting really stressed out. Um, also, shout out to all the veterans out there and those who are currently serving. I know that Monday was uh, Veterans Day, and I'm so grateful for you and for your service and your sacrifice and your family sacrifice. You guys are truly amazing and so courageous, and I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for protecting us and our country. It's just, you guys are incredible, so thank you so much, and I hope that, you know, I'm sorry that you have to listen to this podcast because you're obviously listening for a reason. But again, I'm just so honored to know that there are amazing people out there like you. Um, <coughs> but basically, to sum up, sleep is going to help kind of fuel your healing journey because the more rested you are, the more capable you are of fighting back, Okay. Um, I always freak out when I'm low on sleep because when I'm low on sleep, I am so much more vulnerable to my triggers and I'm so much less likely or so much less able to combat those triggers. And so when I am well rested, when I'm feeling good, when I'm eating right, you know, I'm just, I'm in some, oh my gosh, I'm in a so much better place to be able to fight those triggers and to be able to live a better quality of life than when I have less sleep. Sleep is everything. Sleep is the foundation for everything that comes after, okay? So please prioritize it. I hope that this was helpful. Um, again, if you're worried that you have a sleep disorder, talk to your primary care doctor and hopefully they can give you some kind of recommendation on how to figure that out or run some tests. You know, sleep apnea, sleep paralysis, a lot of those things. Um, insomnia, it's they're real problems and get some help. There's nothing wrong with getting help. So you guys are awesome. I hope that you're having a great day, a great week, and I will hopefully see you on time next week. So talk to you later. Bye.